Y'all already know who I am. Um, my name's Topher, and I thank Olivia. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Natish Pawa. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And today we are welcoming back Natish, a Slate staff writer who you probably just heard on this past Saturday's episode where he explained um, some drama rocking the online chess world over the past few months. It involved, shockingly, anal beads. So if you haven't listened yet, I can't recommend the episode more highly. Hello, Natish. Thank you for joining me again to not talk about anal beads this time. Hello. Yes, I'm glad uh, we're doing something else, focused less on um, uh, potential sex toy cheating sports scandals. Yeah, people should be using sex toys for enjoyment, not for not for cheating scandals. Exactly. No kink shaming, except if you're no, cheating. No, exactly. What we are here for, though, is to talk about the biggest injustice in (laughs) Grammy's history since the last biggest injustice that probably happened last year, because I don't keep up with the Grammys unless I do something egregious, like (laughs) robbing Renaissance of Album of the Year. Anybody who listens to the show or knows me knows that I'm a Harry Styles fan and have been since the One Direction days. So I can say and will be completely objectively right in saying that his album did not deserve to win over Renaissance or even Bad Bunny's album. Like, what the fuck is happening here? (laughs) What is going on? While I wish uh, I could say I'm, like, shocked and surprised by what they've done again to Beyonce, it, it unfortunately is not. This is just what the Grammys have unfortunately always been i mean no shots at harry styles who's a wonderful extremely talented young boy but <laughs> he but yeah i mean I, i'm i'm sorry but compared with his album before this 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 new one that he just got so decorated for pretty mid i gotta say wow. i'm sorry yeah you like the fine line better than harry's house i i think i do yes that's a hot take <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, you know, Fine Line had a uh, Adore You, and um, the new one did not. So that, that that's just how I'm approaching this, <laughs> frankly. But That is true. <laughs> that is true. Anyway, if we keep talking about this, my blood pressure is going to go off the charts, and I, I, don't have, I don't have the money to pay for that. So let's pivot to what we're actually here for. But before we get into that, I have a very important question for you that has nothing to do with Jesus or your first internet memory. Oh, boy. (laughs) How do you pronounce the name for the thing that tells you when someone's seen your message? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Read receipts? (laughs) Uh, As you should. It's time for another edition of Read Receipts. I want to see the receipts. Today, we'll be answering questions about the new kings of TikTok, Keith Lee and Topher. And we'll also be explaining what exactly is happening with everyone's favorite Twitter bots, the fun ones that tweet things like magical realism and Hozier lyrics, not, not the ones <laughs> that are racist. Um, <laughs> all of that after a short break. 
we're back. We've got a voice memo from our listener, Rebecca. Hi, I see why am I? I was wondering if you could tell me who Topher is and why I'm seeing him constantly on TikTok. We sure can, Rebecca. Tish, are you at all familiar with uh, one Topher, not Topher Grace, which I, I think is the only other famous Topher? Uh, pardon me if you're another famous Topher I'm not familiar with. Uh, actually, no, I'm not familiar with this Topher, which once again makes me wonder just how much my feed is <laughs> making me miss out on at this point. I, I missed Menswear Guy, now I'm missing Topher. I know, you're really missing all the hits here. Well, luckily you have a podcast and a friend to show you the way. Thank goodness. So, Topher refers to a nine-year-old boy whose full a name nine-year-old? is Christopher. A mm-hmm. nine-year-old? Okay, sorry. I, just, I, just <laughs> I love to... that we're already starting off. <laughs> he's nine? Like, shock. He's oh nine. God. Yeah, he's a nine-year-old. Um, his full name is Christopher Russell, and here's where I admit something that may be embarrassing. I didn't realize until today that Topher is a shortened version of the name Christopher. <laughs> I just was like, this is another white people name. It's like, I, I apparently it's not. I guess it makes more sense than like Peggy, but also <laughs> what happened to Chris, you know? What are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, and in fairness to you, it, it's not like it's pronounced tougher, you know? Exactly. It's, it's Topher. Anyway, white people naming conventions aside, Topher's rise to fame began last December when his sister and TikToker Allison Russell posted a video introducing her dad's side of the family. And they were playing this game, which is very popular on TikTok, which is, if someone were to join our family, who should we warn them about? If you were to introduce someone into our family, who would you warn them about? My name is Kevin, and I warn them about Topher. Y'all already know who I am. Um, my name's Topher, and I thank Olivia. My name is Olivia, and I would warn them about Topher. Oh. My God. <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> That's a great, it's a great question. So, in this video, Allison, I'm assuming, is asking her family, you know, who they should warn each other about. And someone picks Topher, who is this nine-year-old child, who... You know, the video is giving him the glare in his eyes that I think really only happens to people with blue eyes, and it kind of makes you look like a little bit demonic, um, mm. which is not helping the situation, and it means that the comments on this video go something like, Topher's an icon in the making, I'm sorry, or Topher's the reason I don't let my feet dangle off the bed, <laughs> or Topher's a menace to society. <laughs> He's Basically, nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> Which they're alluding to both Topher's iconic introduction of y'all already know who I am and the fact that he, unfortunately, in the parlance of TikTok, looks like one of those kids that bites. You you know what I'm talking about, right? I, I do, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that video's been viewed over 51 million times. And... It kind of went immediately viral and continues to in that despite the fact that this video was posted about a month and a half ago at this point, a lot of the comments when I last looked at them are from like two to three hours ago, which means that it's still finding its way into people's feed or people are looking for it. And it seems like a lot of people are looking for it because a huge subset of the comments are like, is this the original? 
Interesting. Yeah, it's like one of those TikToks with a much longer shelf life, probably being like shared over text or TikTok DM and such. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons that people are asking about whether or not this is the original is because the audio of Topher saying, you already know who it is, has been remixed and memed to infinity. Okay, you know what? I do recognize that sound clip now. I thought that that did sound familiar. And yes, it is that audio loop. I have been hearing this. Oh, wow. Okay. Nice connection moment here. Okay. Thank you, Rachel. And thank you to- You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Incredible. Well, yeah, the Topher hashtag has over 1 billion views at this point. And they're all referring to this child. It's Quite frankly, wild to think about like a nine-year-old child being viewed over a billion times on this platform. And I don't really want to think about it too hard, which is a sentiment that comes up on the show a lot. Speaking of sentiments that come up on the show a lot, nothing's new on the internet, including Topher. (laughs) 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 The thing we're here to talk about. (laughs) Oh, let me let me guess. He went viral when he was five. Honestly, wow, that was a pretty good guess. The, the wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh my god! Good. I was like, wait, <laughs> wait a wait, minute. Yeah, I legit did not know that. I just threw that. You're out stealing there. my thunder here. <laughs> but yeah, that December video wasn't his first brush with TikTok fame. His sister started posting him like a lot after an April video of him doing the Sprite challenge started going viral. I'm pretty sure the Sprite challenge is just drinking Sprite as fast as possible. Okay, here's part two to the Sprite challenge. Part two of the Sprite challenge with a McDonald's (laughs) We have a McDonald's Sprite with no ice, so it's full to the top, so. And it's cold. Where's the pink bucket? (laughs) bucket. (laughs) Give it to my, give it to Lauren so I can be gone. (laughs) Okay. But Topher's presence on his sister's TikTok page explains partially why he says, y'all already know who I am, because... People who were familiar with Allison's content would know who he was. Because honestly, once you see that child once, how could you ever forget him? Yeah. Like, so how is he or I guess his family, the the Topher Industrial Complex, how <laughs> how is this uh, playing out now? <laughs> um. Well, since the viral December video, he's continued making TikTok content with his sister. Um. Here's a video of him literally running into a wall that has over 24 million views. I can't explain it any more than I just explained it. <laughs> Y'all already know who I am. My name is Topher, and I wish Morgan a happy 20th birthday. So he is doing a combo Vine slash cameo? Yeah, pretty much. But also, again, you're stealing my thunder. Speaking of Vine, his sister is posting old content of him, including a video of him as a literal baby, like infant, from a Vine. Topher, change the channel. Gonzaga's up by 30. Really, dude? Really? Oh, my God. I know. Ah. (laughs) Topher was a very cute baby. It's also a very cute child. He's just one of those children that has a face that's just mischievous. Like, you look at that child and you're like, you're up to mischief. (laughs) 
Yeah, they we knew even before TikTok was a thing that he would be a TikTok star. I mean, clearly, and his family did too. Like the fact that this vine exists suggests to me that Topher's stardom has been in the making for a while and it's just finally paying off. Like part of his stardom, I think, is the fact that he has a southern accent and people are very much enamored by children with southern accents, which makes sense because when I hear a child with a British accent, I'm like, that's fucking crazy. Please continue speaking. Right, yeah. (laughs) So I get it. But what this means is that he's already doing SpawnCon, including for Benefit Cosmetics, which is a crossover I would not have anticipated, but... No. Does he have, like, great skin? He's a child. (laughs) Of course he has great skin. (laughs) Well, there you go. I I guess there's some logic there. (laughs) Sure. Um, He's also been invited to sit courtside at his favorite basketball team's game. I don't know a basketball team because I don't know sports. He's also been in a video with his favorite celebrity, Mr. Beast, who for some fucking reason keeps coming up on this show ever since Kelsey Weekman was here explaining Mr. Beast to me. This isn't even the last time we're going to mention him today. I don't understand how this man went from someone I didn't know existed, barely knew existed, to being at the center of every single story we're telling. It's a conspiracy. This It's a conspiracy. Mr. Beast is trying too hard (laughs) to be on the show. It's the new uh, industry plant. But for yes. internet content. Wow. Yeah. Mr. Beast is an industry plant. You heard <laughs> it here first. Um, well, I hope that answered your question, Rebecca. The answer to your question about Topher is that Mr. Beast is an industry plant. That's where we ended up at. <laughs> wow. I did not expect uh, us to end up here. I, I was, I think when you mentioned Topher, I was literally picturing just Topher Grace, even though you expressly said he is not Topher Grace. <laughs> That's really fair. I don't know what else you would imagine if you have no (laughs) familiarity with this child. But honestly, that's enough on this child named Topher, because we do have to go on to our next question, which is something I think you probably know a lot about, unlike Topher. (laughs) Um, This time we're answering a question about Elon Musk's continued journey into ruining Twitter on February 2nd. The official Twitter dev account tweeted, starting February 9th, we will no longer support free access to the Twitter API, both V2 and V1.1. A paid basic tier will be available instead. In the spirit of transparency, I'm going to admit, the first time this appeared on my timeline, I was like, I don't know what the fuck this means. I don't know what this means for me. I don't know what this means for the platform, which is why I'm glad you're here with me (laughs) today. Because what is an API. I have a vague idea. I know that this is bad. I know why it's bad, but it's like (laughs) how you can get to the end of a math problem without understanding calculus. That's how I feel right now. You know, (laughs) I don't understand the formula at the beginning of this, but I know the answer is six, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. It is definitely weird. And uh, it is interesting, I think, that developments like these now put these sorts of... um, more coding specific languages out there. Not that I'm a coder myself. I just am a nerd, but um, <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, basically. So an API is, it stands for application programming interface. And to really just boil it down to its simplest definition, 
it's an interface which allows either two computers or like two different forms of software essentially to communicate with each other. And that can mean like, you know, trading, you know, certain programming capabilities, pieces of code, functionalities, and so on. So, yeah, in this case, when Musk is talking about um, Twitter's API, so you have a lot of um, applications out there generally, like Spotify and others that offer up their API, like for free access. And um, this allows basically like a lot of people who are code savvy to like use the advantages of said platform's interface for their own purposes if they'd like, like taking the skeleton basically without ripping off the entire thing. So yeah, people have used APIs in the past for a lot of their own purposes. It's, it's very much in keeping with like the whole like open source ethos of the web and a lot of programming. So yeah, and Twitter's API was part of this because as you alluded to, you had a lot of these people who used Twitter's API and the access to it to program these bots. So in this case, the bots are the software communicating with the Twitter software. And there were uh, so many, so many lovely, lovely bots that, you know, whether they're about like, you know, auto art, like, you know, they're just putting different pieces of art in your feed or they're putting out all the lyrics to boys are back in town or something like that <laughs> just uh on a loop like yeah they, they truly were one of the most delightful parts of twitter they really they really were it reminded me in a lot of ways because everything reminds me of this but it reminded me of tumblr in that it had this ability to queue post which Twitter for the longest time did not actually allow you to schedule tweets so if you wanted to tweet something in advance you had to physically remember to tweet it unless you had a third party app which used Twitter's API to post to Twitter so like TweetDeck or if you use apps like Tweet Deleter to delete your tweets which a lot of people do to that's how people's feeds that look like they only have five tweets but they've been around since 2008 that's why they look like that because their <laughs> tweets auto delete <laughs> right well honestly smart smart i think about doing it every month and then i look at my old tweets and i'm like that's that's a record of genius that everyone should have access to <laughs> and i will probably go down for that at some point but at least you all know why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so basically access to twitter's api which was previously free would now, under this new plan, cost somewhere between $99 and $2,499, depending on what package you bought. There's, like, premium levels. And Elon said that the $99 fee, along with ID verification for Twitter's API, would help clean up, quote, bad bots, a.k.a. the ones that are racist and spam. But that doesn't feel true to me. And I don't know why, but it just doesn't feel true to me. From what I know of how people use Twitter's API, I feel like a lot of the harassment does not come through that. Yeah, I mean, you can look at a sort of complimentary example of this with the whole Twitter blue fiasco, where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm going to charge now for people to take up their blue check marks. But it's like, who's coming back and getting the blue check marks except for all the Nazis that were booted off Twitter and now 
under Elon's regime want more prominence. And so they're the ones forking it out. And that's why in just about every country where Twitter is still pretty important, you're still seeing more surges of hate speech, hateful rhetoric, and just like really, really awful sentiments coming across unprompted off people's feeds. And yeah, I, I, I don't have any confidence that this will take out any bots that are, you know, a little more toward the racist, sexist, misogynistic end of things because these, again, it's like, who, one, who is still on the platform? Who are Twitter users? And two, who are the Twitter users with the means and inclination to pay for this? And it's usually the far-right folks who are newly re-embracing Twitter now that they're allowed back on. So I definitely expect to see a lot more of those bots and a lot fewer of the really fun, wholesome bots. <sighs> the wholesome bots. I just, I have so many favorites of these wholesome bots. There's the Ann Carson bot, which tweets out lines from Ann Carson. And I'm going to be completely honest, I'm not entirely sure why I follow this bot, because I have never read any of Ann Carson's work besides the ones that appear on this Twitter. But every time I see one of these lines, I just think maybe I should read more. There's the Infinite Scream bot, which just screams. And if you tag it in response to something that makes you scream, it'll scream for you, which is relatable and necessary. And there are just so many others that I can't think of right now because there's truly an infinite amount. And a lot of these bots were legitimately public goods. Obviously, the fun ones are public goods because fun is a public good. But there were bot accounts like Trump's Alert and Big Tech Alert, which would both tweet when someone from the Trump family or a tech CEO followed or unfollowed someone, which really gave us a lot of information at various times that, that, that was in the huge. past six years. Yeah, The API change would also kill bots like alt text utilities, which is a lot like the thread unscroller bot, which basically if you tag them in response to a tweet with an image, this bot will add alt text so that people who use screen readers can know what the image says, which is like a huge accessibility issue. All this to say that the announcement that the bots would basically be killed was just immediately met with public outcry in a way that I have not seen since Twitter Blue was announced. Like, <laughs> the tweet announcement from the Twitter dev account has over 68,000 quote tweets, which I would say is a pretty good indication of discourse started. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. And a lot of those quote tweets are bots basically playing near my God to these saying, so long, farewell, we had a good run. I'm not paying $100 to post my favorite ship every hour on the hour. God. And it seems to have worked at least for now, because on Sunday, February 5th, Elon Musk tweeted in response to um, Pepito the Cat, which is a beloved camera feed of a cat named Pepito that uses Twitter API. And Elon said that responding to feedback, Twitter will enable a light, write-only API for bots providing good content that is free. Who decides if the content is good? Unclear, but it seems great 
desperate bots that are tweeting lyrics and possums every hour. But it doesn't help bots that require input, which means responding to a tweet like the alt text accounts I mentioned earlier. So those bots still are being affected by this API change. So this is the new announcement on Sunday is kind of a half win at best. Like I will still get my Hozier lyrics, but I <laughs> <laughs> people will not be able to read images on Twitter if they have a screen reader. So one of those seems more important than the other. Yeah. Like, I mean, this is another classic, like, Elon half-assed policy measure that he just like tweeted out which like by the way remember when he had that poll saying should I step down and everyone said he should step down yeah I wonder how that CEO search is going not that anyone wants to take us out after him but while we wait to see if anybody is gonna fill in the large shoes of one apartheid Clyde it's time for a short break when we come back I will be explaining to Tish the rise and attempted takedown of TikTok's favorite food influencer, Keith Lee. And we're back to answer a question about Keith Lee, his rise and the drama that recently engulfed him. But before we get started, Tish, what do you know? What do you know about Mr. Keith? Mr. Lee? Mr. Lee is more accurate. Literally nothing. Perfect. (laughs) I love that answer. So, Keith is a 26-year-old former MMA fighter who's been making videos on TikTok since 2020, um, not about MMA at all. He told Business Insider that he started posting to help with his social anxiety, which is extremely relatable content. Lexpro, girlies, hello, I am one of you. Who among us? Truly. SSRI (laughs) gang, rise up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I would say most influencers, it took him a while to find his, like, niche. Most influencers don't start off and just immediately catapult to fame. He's always been in the food space, though. He started 2022 with 1 million TikTok followers, and that number stayed, like, pretty consistent until November. What happened in November? He started reviewing Las Vegas restaurants, And he gained over 7 million followers in three months. Oh, wow. Astronomical. (laughs) Yeah, literal 700% increase. (laughs) Truly, in three months. But before we get into the why, I'm going to show you what a typical Keith review video looks like. This guy waits all day for customers to walk in. But nobody does. I want to change that. It looks good, bro. I got it. Let's try it and rate it 1 to 10. The customer service was really good. The same guy you see in his video is the person who helped me. He was nice. He was kind. He took his time. He gave me a 24-ounce smoothie when I asked for a 16-ounce smoothie because he made a mistake. And he I, I, I was drawn right in, honestly. Like, he, that guy knows how to hook you. Like, I, I'm not... I, I gotta be honest, when it comes to TikToks, I'm still a Vine baby. I'm very much all about the shorter uh, videos, but... If if you so if you can draw me in for an over minute long review like that's that's skill. It is, and I think that actually really accurately sums up like the appeal of Keith's most popular videos. He will come across or be tagged in the comments of videos of a struggling small business, and he'll basically go and see whether the issue for their struggles is the food or the marketing. 
he just, his reviews just really come across to me as hype-free in a way, which is really kind of hard to find on TikTok. When he posts about these restaurants, they have, these videos have massive real world impacts. Like the owner of Frank and Sons told Las Vegas ABC affiliate KTNV, he went from making $400 a day to selling out daily after oh my Keith God. posted his review. Yeah. And this happens all the time. Wow. Okay. This, this is a literal tastemaker. My God. Mm-hmm. This is yes. like the kind of power that like restaurant critics in California had back in like the 40s maybe like yes he's also collabed with um charity influencer and local chaos agent Mr. Beast oh my goodness Mr. Beast unfortunately we do have to move on to the actual drama of this which does not involve Mr. Beast surprisingly so about two weeks ago a tiktoker at the handle of Jilly Willy, who is a freelance producer, claimed that a creator on TikTok who is, quote, beloved by all, stole an idea from her after she pitched an idea to them. She didn't name who the creator was, but she did write in the caption, I'm frustrated and disappointed that they just stole my idea. It's never happened to me before, and I'm not sure what my next decision is going to be. Hashtag why steal. Hashtag food critic and thief. I didn't know if I was going to address this or not, but I'm just so disappointed and so frustrated about the situation that I think I'm just going to have to say something. Um, I'm Jillian. I'm a TV producer. Um, I am a freelance TV producer. So two days after she posts this, Keith responds, basically saying that a producer reached out to him to pitch a TV show idea that would involve him dressing up in disguise and reviewing items from various restaurants, But he also clarified that he's heard that same idea from his followers all the time. It's some unnamed controversy going around and I keep getting brought up and I had an interaction with this person who made the video. So let's talk about it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I think this man is one of the most popular and also least offensive in any way people that we've talked about on this show. And I'm not the only one who thinks that because the comments on this post really, I think, underscore how hard people ride for this man. (laughs) Here's just a little sampling. Uh, Not today, Jillian. Not today. We love this man. He's a beautiful soul. And in all caps, all weapons formed against Keith Lee shall not prosper. Wow. So, yeah, but what happened next? Did this resolve at all? So the hashtag Jillian TV producer has over 2.3 million views now. Oh, no. (laughs) Almost all the videos are just saying she's a low down lying liar, basically. And eventually she posts a video basically saying that she wasn't referring to Keith. So here's that video. Keith, this is for you. That video was not about you. And I did not think that you would think that that video was about you because our interactions were very minimal. So that video just made me feel pretty, um, like, um, about right. this entire thing. Like, Jillian is a black woman who's talking about a frustrating situation where someone stole her idea. She didn't mention anybody in the first video. And then everybody assumed that it was Keith and was flooding her comments saying, is it Keith, is it Keith, is it Keith, as he said in this video. 
And she's gotten like a ton of hate for it. Like she says later in that video that somebody was celebrating her miscarriages with oh a God. hashtag in Keith Lee we trust. Oh my which is God. fucked up. Yeah. And Keith specifically said he didn't want any negativity promoted in his name and that he was clearing up a situation. And on Jillian's part, before Keith responded, she didn't shut down any of the speculation in her comment section that it was Keith, which she probably should have. But as you know, with most cases like this, I just wish this entire thing had been handled privately because it's it's just bad. It's like no matter what the platform is, no matter what the situation is, you'll always have some like army of stands ready to carry out the worst things on someone else's behalf. Someone who they don't know. Someone who they don't know who is telling them not to do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> and like most of those cases where a stand army gets activated, it's now a giant joke because... <laughs> People are making videos that Keith stole things from them, like drinking water or like having <laughs> dreadlocks to, I guess, highlight how ridiculous Jillian's complaint was. That Jill woman is not lying on Keith. I'm going to tell you something. Keith stole an idea from me, too. OK, I woke up one morning and I was like, I probably should eat something. Next thing I know, I switch on my TikTok and Keith is busy eating as well coincidence i think not um and that's that's basically the end of the story keith's ascendancy remains untouched i i fully expect him to have a tv show in the next year or so and i'll probably be tuning in and you know my producer daniel schrader said maybe even jillian will get to produce it that would be the best possible coming together for this. And if that happens, I'm definitely watching. Okay, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss a mailbag episode, to never miss a read receipts, because it is pronounced read receipts. Please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Tell your Topher's about us. I bet there are more of you out there. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, why is this child taking over my FYP? You can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader and Rachel Hampton, with special thanks to Sierra Spragley-Ricks. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's vice president of audio. See you online. Or in Las Vegas.